You're listening to audio from Redeemer Anglican Church in the urban heart of Richmond, Virginia. We are a parish committed to gospel formation for missional presence through seven essential practices. Telling the biblical story, embracing a new identity in Jesus, finding belonging in the church community, cultivating virtue through redemptive habits, understanding our context in this current cultural moment, laboring in renewed vocations for the common good, and reordering our imaginations through beauty in the arts. To learn more about our church, visit RedeemerRVA.org. As we continue in our series on 1 Peter, we are in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. You can find that on page 1015-1015 in your pew Bible. And as we will say every week, we would love to offer a Bible to you to take home as a gift if you do not have one of your own. From 1 Peter 3. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. The word of the Lord. you please stand for the reading of the gospel? Our gospel reading comes from John chapter 13, verses 31 to 35, which you can find on page 900 of your Bible. This is the holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. When he had gone out, Jesus said, now is the son of man glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, good morning. It's wonderful to be with you today. My name is Lewis Lovett. I'm the church planter in residence here. Uh, Me and my family and a team of people are prayerfully beginning work to plant Resurrection Anglican Church in Midlothian. It's a joy to get to open God's word with you this morning. We're continuing our Easter series going through 1 Peter, and we're asking the question... 
What does the resurrection of Jesus mean for us in the here and now of our actual daily lives? And we've talked about resurrection hope. We've talked about resurrection holiness. And last week, Dan talked about resurrection authority. And he described the church as a, as a people of redemptive submissiveness, which I just love. And our, our passage last week presented us with the, the challenge of what it means to relate to the governing authorities over us, what it means to relate to the individuals who have authority over us. In the case of our passage last week, it was servants and masters. And we're gonna turn our attention now to what uh, for us is probably the most challenging passage of 1 Peter, but also one that hits closer to home, which is the way that men and women interact together, the way that wives and husbands treat each other. And I don't think we can start to understand this teaching about submission and marriage if we don't first stop and recognize and lament of the ways that many have been hurt and harmed by men abusing this passage and passages like it to, to justify some sort of moral subjugation of women. That's an abomination. It's a sin against God and it's a sin against women. It's, it's men failing to exemplify and embody the love and grace and kindness of Jesus to which they are called. And I recognize that for some people in the room to even have a man stand up to talk about this probably causes you concern. Perhaps it brings up wounds and hurts and anxieties that you have. This is a, an opportunity this morning for us to repent of the ways that we failed to abide in Jesus in our relationships. And it's an opportunity for us to, to expand our imaginations of what's going on in a passage like this. Uh, some of you, when it comes to this sort of teaching, are hoping that I will explain it away. All of the difficult and seemingly demeaning things, we're just gonna find a quick way to make that make more sense to us. Uh, and to some degree, I'm gonna disappoint you. Others of you are hoping that I will be bold and stay true to what the Bible clearly teaches, which is that women are inferior to men, that's how God made it. And I'm gonna disappoint you too. But what I wanna do is I wanna to attempt to, again, expand our imaginations for why Peter teaches submission, what this passage about marriage has to do with the rest of his teaching and what Jesus is inviting all of us to. And recognizing that we really need God's grace, would you please pray with me for this before we jump into it? Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are here with us. I pray that you would illumine our hearts and make this word alive to us. Give us soft hearts to receive it and be at work in it so that we might know you and love you more and love one another. In Jesus' name, amen. I've been recently watching a documentary series called The 100-Foot Wave. And this is a series about big wave surfers. This is a relatively small group of men and women who dedicate their entire lives to traveling around the world in search of the biggest waves on the planet. And then they try to surf them. So they've identified these places where the conditions are ideal for these massive waves. So they've got you know, the currents and the shoreline and the way the wave breaks and the topography of the earth underneath the water. And so they know these places are, and then they, then they track the biggest storm systems in the world. So they can see when extreme conditions reach one of these places, it makes crazy, crazy waves. And so these people, they fly to California or to Hawaii or to Indonesia, and they try to surf these waves. And this documentary is all about the waves at, right next to this town called Nazare, which is in Portugal. And this little town in Portugal has the biggest waves in the world right at its, right at its beach. 
right at these rocky cliffs next to the town. And, and when the conditions are right, at, right before a storm hits that's been driven by winds in the Atlantic, there can be waves there that are 60 or 70 or 80 feet high. So you can imagine a wave that's the, the height of like a 10-story building. And it's traveling at about 40 to 50 miles per hour. And you can imagine that you can't just like paddle out on your surfboard to catch one of these waves, right? The, the power of these things and the scope of them is beyond anything you can really imagine. And even seeing it on a, on a TV screen is, is hard to do it justice, I would imagine. Let me be clear, I'm not one of the people who does this. I don't know if that <laughs> needs to be said. They're crazy. So what you have to do is you have a, you have a partner who's driving a, a high-powered jet ski, and they tow you as if you were uh, water skiing. You're on your surfboard with a tow rope, and they tow you out at about 40 to 50 miles per hour so that you're at the same speed as this wave as it's starting to, as it's starting to crest. And then you let go of the rope, and the jet ski has to sort of uh, ease back over the top of the wave before it breaks. And then you careen down this 80-foot cliff of raging white water with the hopes that these hundreds and thousands of tons of power don't crash on your head. And if all goes well, you kind of scoot out to the side, and then the jet ski has to to speed in and grab you, just hang on, they drag you through the water so that the next wave doesn't, doesn't land on you. And you do not want to fall. You do not want to crash because the power of these waves, the size of these waves, the sheer uh, churnage of this water keeps you underwater for a long time is a very, very dangerous thing. And so you've got this group of people, these men and women who do this, who are willing to put themselves, in fact, embrace the opportunity to put themselves in weak and vulnerable positions because that's the way to get what they love the most. At the, at the center of this difficult teaching on women and men in marriage is this question. What is the thing that Peter is so passionate about, that he loves so much, that he calls women and men to be so passionate about, to love so much that they might be willing to embrace even these kinds of positions of vulnerability and weakness in relationship that we call submission. That's what we're gonna try to understand this morning. And we're gonna examine submission and look at three aspects of it to help us get an understanding for this. We're gonna talk about the purpose of submission we're gonna talk about the power for submission and the invitation to submission, okay? The purpose, the power, and the invitation. So first, the purpose of submission. Uh, as you heard Lane read this passage earlier, you heard that it starts with the word likewise. And in fact, in verse seven, when Peter addresses the husbands, he says, again, likewise. Uh, you could also translate it in the same way. So, so the implication here is that what Peter's talking about is directly connected to what has come before. And you'll, you'll remember if you've been here, I know not everyone has uh, each week, but this is a letter written by the Apostle Peter to uh, the followers of Christ who were dispersed around Asia Minor, who are in various parts of different, different towns and cities in the Roman Empire. And, and Peter starts in, in chapter two to address uh, these different avenues of authority and submission. And first he talks about those who are in authority to the empire, to the, to the emperor himself. That's everybody, right? And then he moves in to talk about servants, and masters and, and servants, these people in a, in a low social and financial position. And now he applies the same teaching to wives. Why does Peter do this? Uh, if, if you pay attention to what Peter is saying and the history matches this up, you realize that the, the majority of Christians in these places in this time in history were servants and women. 
Those are the people who had more than any others at first embraced the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, and had begun to follow him. And this creates a social problem because you've now got what, what presumably is a large group of women who are following Christ, who are married to husbands who do not yet know Jesus. And this is a confusing situation. Uh, it, it was, it's confusing now, and some of you may be in this or have known of people in this kind of situation, but in this day and age, it would not be appropriate for a woman to break away from her husband and pursue her own religion, okay? And so the, the problem that Peter is addressing is how might these wives live in such a way to prevent their husbands from becoming hard-hearted to the message of the gospel and instead win them to faith in Christ? That's why Peter says that by living this way, they might win them, even without a word. He's inviting women to up to a posture of life that's intention, that's purpose, is evangelism. That's purpose is mission. Act in such a way, honor your husbands in such a way that they won't be upset that you're doing something new, but instead be the aroma of Christ that draws them in, that welcomes them in to the community of faith. According to 1 Peter, that is the purpose of submission in marriage. It is not to embrace our social position as inferiors, if you're a woman. Shame on us if we teach that. The purpose of, of submission in marriage, according to Peter, is to win your unbelieving husband to faith, to be the aroma of Christ, to show him such honor that he might not be upset, but actually might want to know what you've been talking about with your friends. And this is the context of the entire section on submission of, of authority. Back in 1 Peter 2.12, which we talked about last week, this is right before Peter urges uh, the believers to submit to the empire and servants to submit to their masters. He says this in verse 12, keep your conduct honorable, honor those in authority over you. Why? So that they may see your good deeds and glorify God. Do you see this is the same purpose? Honor those who are in authority ab above you so that you might win them to the love and glory of God in Christ. That is the mission of 1 Peter. Why should servants obey their masters? So, so they might see your goodness and be one to God. That's what a gentle spirit, that's what a kind heart in a woman in marriage is intended in this passage. And, and it's worth noting that we should stop and celebrate the centuries of fruitfulness of women who have embodied this kind of kindness and gentleness and won many husbands and many children and many friends and many employers and many employees and many neighbors to faith in Christ. The church around the world does not look like it looks today if women have not embodied the love of Jesus in this kind of way. The purpose of submission is not a gender role. It is the mission of God to make his love and mercy in Christ known to the world. That is the purpose of embracing this kind of position of vulnerability and weakness. This is why women are called to honor their husbands. So that's the purpose of submission. Next, the power of submission. What is it that gives that kind of submission, that kind of honoring to another person you're in relationship with power? We talked last week about Jesus as our example, that we might follow the one who, who denied himself who actually submitted himself to suffering and even death. And Peter changes course now to offer us another angle. He says, the power of submission is the work of God 
in the heart of a believer. So sort of challenge number one is this teaching that women should be subject to their husbands. Here's challenging teaching number two, teaching about jewelry and hair and clothing, okay? Peter says, don't let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart. Peter is saying in this fight to live in such a way that the people you're in relationship to might be one to Christ, don't forget where your power comes from. It comes from here, it comes from the heart. It doesn't come from one that's on the outside. The Christians of the first century did not believe that women should be indifferent to how they look. That's not the point of this. You shouldn't care, you should let yourself go. Rather, they, they recognize the cultural value of overemphasizing the value of a woman based on her external appearance. And they're saying, Peter's saying, don't do that. That's not where a person's power is. That's the comparison. The power is what's on the inside. The power is based on what and who is alive in your heart if you're a Christian. And I hope that, that we men and women and children would hear this. The most important thing about you and the most powerful thing in the relationships that you are a part of is who is alive in your heart is the spirit of the risen Christ in you, working in you, bearing its fruit in your life, in your relationships. That is power. The, the, word, the word vessel describes the, the physical, but he is talking about the heart. If you want to live in such a way that, in, that invites others to the love of God, you have to prioritize and cultivate what is going on in your heart. If you want to embody this kind of honor, and kindness. This is why we cultivate our life with Jesus. This is why we read our Bibles and why we pray, why we seek to grow in our awareness of his presence with us. Christians don't do that because we just should. Christians do that because that's where power is. It's precious to God. So that's the purpose of submission and the power of submission. And lastly, this morning, the invitation to submission. Challenging verse number three. Likewise, husbands, or in the same way, husbands now, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Uh, Peter does something really masterful here. He, he acknowledges, he recognizes a power dynamic but he surrounds it with language of radical mutuality, equality, and love. The, the thing that we get hung up on is the weaker vessel, right? Vessel, like I just said, is a word used to describe the, the outward material thing. Think about Paul talking about how believers are jars of clay, are earthen vessels. He's recognized that who you are, that you can touch and feel, isn't the only thing about you, right? In the same way, this reference to vessel is a reference to the body. And this is not meant to demean the body, but to recognize the assumption of the day. And this is not, of course, a universal truth, but the assumption of the day that the man is physically more strong than the woman. He's saying, men, you could, because of your strength, force your wife to submit to you, but don't. Instead, show them honor. Do you feel the mutuality of this? Women, in your position of weakness, honor your husbands. Men, in your position of strength, do what? Honor your wives. And why do we do this? 
Here's what Peter says. Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. There's nothing like this in the ancient world. Nothing like this. Women are heirs with men of grace. And there's nothing like this that exists outside of, outside of Christianity. Husbands, with whatever advantage you might have, with whatever ability or temptation to use your power in your relationship with your wife, instead you are called to honor her and to love her and to serve her because she is your equal. She is equal with you as a recipient of God's grace. She's an equal with you in being saved by the death and resurrection of Jesus. She is equal with you in the inheritance of eternal life promised by God to those who follow him in faith. So here's the invitation, okay? The invitation to submission for all of us. No matter your position, strong or weak, model your life in such a way that those you are in relationship with might be drawn to the love and grace of God because instead of embracing power and strength, you embrace gentleness and mercy. You embrace love, you embrace the other, you choose to honor them because the spirit of the risen Christ gives you power in your heart as you have received his honor towards you. Would you, would you turn to the cover of your bulletin for just a moment? We've chosen this week to put a picture of a candle. This, this invitation to, to submission, this invitation to honoring the other in your life, no matter who that is, is actually pretty central to the teaching of Jesus. In the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, this is the, the largest single collection of the teachings of Jesus that we have, the most famous words ever spoken. Right after the Beatitudes, the blessed are parts, comes this teaching on salt and light. And Jesus ends this paragraph by saying, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. Dude, we are to imagine ourselves like a light shining, like our life itself, the things we do, the ways that we interact with other people are modeled after Jesus as the light who gives himself up for the love of another. It's, it's, what, it's what Peter is paraphrasing in chapter two, verse 12, which I read a few moments ago. Let those in authority see your good works and glorify God on the day of visitation. In our gospel reading uh, from John 13, this is right after Jesus has done this incredible act of submission to his disciples as he washes their feet. He says, as I have loved you, so you should love one another. By this, people will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another, that you submit to one another, that instead of using power and strength, you embrace weakness and service. This is, this is the way that Jesus explains the central ethic of love, which defines the people of God who follow him, the man of love. So we're called to be light. We're called to be light in our marriages and in our families and in our neighborhoods and our places of work and play. Big wave surfers, willing to embrace these positions of incredible vulnerability and weakness because that's the way to achieve what they love, the experience that they're chasing around the world. And the challenge for us is to to fight through this cultural moment where we're taught that we're not allowed to tell anyone else what to do or to believe or to think and to find what we see in the heart of Jesus, this fierce love 
and desire for the lost to know the love of Jesus, to be welcomed into his people. And if we can find that kind of fierce love inside of us, then we might be motivated to embrace more willingly these positions of weakness. We might be more willing to treat with honor those that we don't really wanna treat with honor, to treat with honor those who we don't think have deserved it or earned it. So we might win them to faith by how we live. It's the call of God's people. As I, as I come to conclusion here, I wanna offer three questions by way of sort of leading us into this invitation to, to submission, to honoring others with our lives. The, as I've said, the power for submission is the living presence of the risen Christ in the heart of a believer. So my question for you is, and this would be a great thing to talk about with your small group this week. In what avenues of your own heart and life might Jesus be inviting you towards deeper intimacy with him? And how can we help each other cultivate that better? If that is our power, how might we cultivate that? Here's my second question. This invitation for each of us to resist power and embrace gentleness, this posture that honors the other. The question is who in your life might God be calling you to grow in this kind of honor and gentleness? Are there people, some of you, this might be in your marriage. For some of you, this might be with a parent or a child. For some of you, this might be with a difficult neighbor or coworker. Who might God be inviting you to consider softening your heart towards and showing them honor as a way to win them to the love and care of Jesus. And then lastly, the, the last thing is a reminder that this kind of practice of submission, of honoring the other, is not something that you just do alone in the, in the context of a submissive relationship. We actually do it in the context of our community. And so the last question is this, who do you need in your corner as you seek to practice this kind of submission in your relationships? Who do you need praying for you? Who do you need encouraging you? Who do you need holding you accountable? Who do you need protecting you so that your efforts to honor another don't result in you being taken advantage of? This community gathering around each other as we try to practice love is the way that we will actually protect one another from being put in situations where our vulnerability and weakness is taken advantage of. Our Lord Jesus who rose from the dead, he could have taken the world by force. You ever thought about that? He could have called down legions of angels when he was hanging on the cross, but he didn't. He's making a new way where he wants to win us, not with his power, but with his love. And he invites us to walk with him in love for the good of our neighbors. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we honor you. Please teach us to follow you Please soften our hearts towards those that you might be calling us to relate to. Give us the power of intimacy with you so that we could give ourselves a way that we might win many to the faith of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. To connect with our team or to learn more about our church, visit RedeemerRVA.org. We look forward to knowing you. Go in peace.